0: Welcome to Entrepreneurs in Conversation with Jah. Each week I sit down with entrepreneurs, innovators, and creators from around the world who share fascinating views, stories, and expert advice on start and grow a business from A to Z. Enjoy the show. In this episode
1: For me, I, I meditate, I try to stay calm and positive all of the time, but still it's you know it becomes difficult for me as well to deal with so many different problems at different time
0: <laughs> hi Harid how are you welcome to entrepreneurs in conversation with geraldine
1: i'm giji thank you for having me on the talk show
0: yeah, that's very that's a pleasure. So we had um, the chance to chat very quickly, briefly, a uh, couple weeks ago. And the idea is really to dive in into what is Pixeled Apps, what you're doing and what's your plan actually for 2021 with your business that is clearly growing. And But before to jump in, mm-hmm. let's, well, let's start with the first thing. Can you introduce yourself for the audience so that we get to know you a bit better?
1: Yeah, definitely. So hi, everyone. My name is uh, Rohit Romley and uh, I am the owner of Pixel Labs. And at Pixel Labs, we uh, provide different kinds of services which are related to IT. Uh, More specifically, we provide mobile app development, Salesforce consulting and staffing solutions. Um, We started last year and uh, we are still at a very early stage and we are still growing.
0: Amazing. Yeah. And what about you? So, I mean, you told me what the first time we chat that you were a big traveler. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us about your backgrounds.
1: Sure. So I was born and raised in India. And I did my master's from the capital of India, which is New Delhi. And after doing my master's, I got a chance to move to Japan. Mm -hmm. Which I took. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It was an interesting journey and I learned a lot. First of all, I learned a lot about Japanese culture. I had to learn their Japanese language from scratch, which is like a whole different thing altogether. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, It was necessary because all of our day to day work was in Japanese, all the documentation, everything had to be done in Japanese. So Mm -hmm. I went through that phase and Uh, Since that was my first job ever, so it was very interesting to, you know, start working in a different country, in a different culture altogether, meeting all of those different people from so many different countries. Tokyo especially, uh, like if you move to Tokyo, you'll realize that there are Japanese people, but Tokyo as a center has a lot of people coming in from all over the world, from all different parts of the uh, world. So, yeah, you get to interact with so many different people. You get to learn so many different cultures all at the same time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it was like it was a really interesting time period of my life. And I stayed over there for about six years. Mm -hmm. And uh, after staying there for six years, I decided to move to Canada. Mm
2: -hmm. But the
1: plan was definitely there to move to Canada. Uh, Mm -hmm. It was just a question of when. Um, I decided in 2019 that I, that I'll move in 2020, but unfortunately, like when I was about to move to Canada, this COVID thing happened (laughs) and I was stuck in Japan for two months without a job and without an apartment, (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm. but
1: I had friends over there who were very kind to offer me accommodation, uh, Mm -hmm. during that time period. And so I was okay. And finally I made the move to Canada and. After moving here, I started this company, and now we are here. <laughs> I mean,
0: that's that sounds pretty adventurous and exciting yeah. <laughs> at the same time. And so, but how did you make that transition from you know uh, being in Japan for so long and to Canada? Because obviously, these these are different cultures, especially business wise. I mean, what are the similarities that you encountered or the big gaps maybe that you encountered between both
1: cultures? Um, so making the move uh, was a really big step. My younger brother has been living in Canada for quite a long time. So um, moving here was a little bit easier for me. Mm-hmm. And definitely uh, there is a big cultural difference, um, even, even in the day-to-day lives, as well as in the uh, business environment. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the day-to-day life, uh, Japanese society is very, very closed. So uh, even if you can speak fluent Japanese, it's it's very difficult to actually integrate yourself with a Japanese society and uh, make friends and, you know, get along with... Uh, I mean, getting along with people is easy, but uh, just to, you know, open up to other people and actually make real long-lasting friends, it, it takes a little bit of effort.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, uh, as compared to Canada, I think uh, people are relatively quite open. Um, even when I go, you know, to for to take walks in the parks, I, I see people moving past me, and then they usually say hi or hello, and I talk back to them, and we can have like little small conversations. And you never know who who you meet, and uh, you you can become friends with them. So
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: that's a big difference as compared to Japan. Uh, In the business uh, setting, I think still uh, Japan is way more formal. So even if you are dealing with small businesses, um, uh, the the formalities that you have to go through or the formal settings that you have to take care of, how you're sitting, how you're addressing the other person, uh, what you're wearing, how you speak, what you speak, uh, what level of uh honorific words that you use all of that come into play it doesn't matter how big the business or how small the business is so you have to be considerate uh during all the time in mm-hmm. canada i feel people are more open people are uh more a little bit more casual not fully casual but business casual so mm-hmm. you are allowed to wear and dress comfortably. You can speak your mind, and you can speak your thoughts, and you can have a very fluid and free conversation with the clients. Um, not too casual, but uh, just uh, maybe business casual. To be, saying, mm-hmm. <laughs> if use that term. Uh, yeah. So I think uh, like it's it's quite different from Japan. But uh, once mm-hmm. you, you stay over here, and once you interact with quite a lot of number of people then uh, you will see that it's quite easy to inter- uh, integrate yourself in the canadian society
0: mm-hmm. i mean i love i love for you to talk to us about you know your journey and because it's you immigrated to um, to japan and you're immigrating again in canada so it's like learning different cultures different steps different process mechanisms and way of doing things, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm pretty sure it supported you when you launched actually Pixel Apps. Tell us more about it actually. How and why actually did you start this business?
1: Um, so when I moved here, <laughs> uh, the job market wasn't that good. Mm-hmm. And I had two options basically. So first option was to do a survival job, which could be anything from admin work to manual labor, to any any range of you know, work that I would be able to secure during that point of time. Mm-hmm. And the other option was to try and do something on my own. So uh, trying to do something on your own, it's always very difficult. There are chances of failing. You <laughs> never know what's going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. But I took the risk and um, I didn't really want to do a survival job because uh, it didn't really interest me. And Mm -hmm. I felt I would be wasting my time and I would be wasting my skill set on doing something that I didn't even like. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I had a little bit of savings uh, uh, with me when I moved here from Japan. Mm -hmm. So I thought maybe, you know, uh, why not use these savings and, you know, start something on my own. And uh, we can see, you know, we can go out into the market, we can explore, we can talk to multiple people and see if there is any opportunity of um, getting inside the Canadian market. Fortunately, I was able to meet a few people who were um, looking to get their work done. So Mm -hmm. I I was exploring into the Salesforce market, but unfortunately, that market was really difficult to get into. So I came up with an alternate service, which is mobile app development, which is very much in demand. But uh, the problem is, it's highly competitive
0: (laughs) yes of course
1: yeah so i ended up uh, getting into that market and i ended up securing a few clients Mm -hmm. and that's that was you know the beginning of this company so Mm -hmm. actually i started with a healthcare project and then we moved into e-commerce and then live streaming applications Mm-hmm. So we have like very diverse uh, experience in working with very diverse clients as well as in very diverse industries. Mm-hmm. So that was a really you know a tough time to begin during the pandemic during June. <laughs> but but
0: there was there was like a like the middle of the pandemic right away. But how did you secure actually your first client from the get go?
1: Um, it's very difficult to say because. Um, multiple things were going on during that time. Uh, the client contacted me through my website, but how they reached my website is it's a different story altogether. Mm-hmm. So, uh, one way to bring people to your website is of course, Google ads, which is very expensive. Yes. But it's an, it's an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, another way is to do SEO, uh, but it takes time. Yeah. <laughs> It takes, you know, multiple months or even weeks. Mm -hmm. So a middle way is to make YouTube videos. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Tell us more about it, actually. Because you mentioned, like, different tactics that, as marketers, we know very well, right? Mm -hmm. SEO is good, efficient, and Mm -hmm. cost-effective. But it takes, like, you know, some time investment, right? Uh, AdWords, it's very interesting. Mm -hmm. But I mean especially when you are starting a new project or a new business, sometimes the marketing dollars will not probably be allocated to um, online advertising. So that's really interesting that you're mentioning YouTube is very interesting in order to support, you know, the launch of a new business. But Mm -hmm. tell us how.
1: Yeah, definitely. So um, I think even if you go to YouTube right now and if you see, if you... uh, You know search for how to rank your video in the in the first on the first page of uh, youtube search you will come up with a few videos and if you just simply follow what they say your video will actually start ranking on the first page of youtube Mm -hmm. so google google handles a lot of traffic on Mm -hmm. google.com youtube it's it's quite different from how google actually works Mm -hmm. so Let's say uh, you're making a video about uh, how to make an app, like a very basic, you know, video. Um, you will see there are, you know, already thousands of videos on YouTube. So how do you compete with all of those videos?
2: Yeah, of course. How? Very, uh,
1: yeah. I mean, it's it sounds daunting, but it's not that difficult actually. So what you have to do is it's really straightforward. Find the video which is doing the best. It could be you know number one or number two. Mm-hmm. And just check the views, which, which whichever has more views, just target that one. Uh, check the time limit, time length of that video. Let's say it's 12 minutes. Just make a video <laughs> doing the same thing <laughs> for 14 minutes. And then uh, just make it two or three minutes longer than the best performing video. Add a lot of transitions and screens in that. Uh, And have good content in that video. That's it. You are going to start ranking at least, you know, somewhere. You'll start getting traffic, you know, to your YouTube videos.
0: (laughs) Okay. Okay. So then you mentioned that then you get the traffic to your YouTube video. But what about, you know, SEO, like YouTube SEO? Like, let's say you have the right key terms as well Mm -hmm. and all the right linking as well. Tell us a bit more about that.
1: So YouTube SEO, um, YouTube SEO. I wouldn't uh, recommend you know doing all of the keyword research and uh, because it it does help you rank your video on on the top uh, searches, but at the same time, um, people are not really searching for those terms. So if you so YouTube is also similar to Google. So if you pick the high frequency words which everybody's searching for, and you you know put those words into your video. Definitely it will rank higher, but it won't be on the top and it will not uh, show up as recommended videos when other videos are played. Mm -hmm. So it's okay, you can compete in that domain as well, but it's going to be difficult. Mm -hmm. Rather than competing over there, just uh, start showing up as recommended videos. So Mm -hmm. being shown up as a recommended video is way easier as compared to um, competing using keywords. Definitely keywords will help, but in the long term, being recommended by other videos will help you better.
0: Amazing. I mean, that's certainly something that I will probably try, even mm-hmm. though I'm, I'm kind of very shy, you know, to go video. I mean, we talked about that, but um, I think definitely it's a very good resource in terms of gaining traffic and efficient, you know, traffic for anything e-commerce, apps and more. Uh, so you landed your first um, your first client, then you get a second, but what did you do
1: different actually to get the second client? Um, the second client was just a recommendation from someone. So uh, it wasn't that hard to get. Uh, the third one, uh, uh, the second one was actually, um, so my brother works at a company and the manager of that company, they knew someone else who, had a requirement for app development and they referred that person to me. So it was a little bit easier for me to convert that lead into an into a proper opportunity. So uh, the third one was um, they they came through my website and the third one was also. Uh, like a little bit difficult to convert because whoever uh, approaches you through your website, they are a little bit skeptical about your work, how you perform, and all of that, since especially when you are a new company.
0: Mm-hmm. So, and I yeah. think convince them actually because that's important. Like the selling part is, you know, what, what were the steps and what were, you know, the approach that you decided to take in order to make sure to convert them.
1: Um, by the time I got the third person, I already had two clients, so it was a little bit easier to convert the third one. The first one was the most difficult one, so I'll take that case. Uh, if we consider the first client, so they were into healthcare. And healthcare, you, I think you already know that the amount of security that they require, the compliance checks that you have to go through, And the amount of scrutiny your developers are under all the time. So it's a very difficult project to capture. Mm -hmm. Uh, The way we captured it was we ended up doing a lot of stuff for free for the client. Mm -hmm. So it was our first client. So we gave them free UI designs. We gave them free uh, dummy or prototype applications to play around. Mm -hmm. And we came up with the proper business plan for them. We wrote down different, you know, scenarios how the application is going to perform,
2: what mm-hmm.
1: we are going to take. We just ended up giving them a lot of documentation. <laughs> and until, like, we, we didn't stop until they, they said, okay, you know, we, we trust you, it's enough for us now. <laughs>
0: I mean, that's yeah. true, right? Whenever you're starting, you always have, at some point, to give mm-hmm. uh, a bit of time. Uh, love if i may say to your leads to your prospects in order to make sure that you know you talk to them you negotiate and then you end up converting them into sales right it takes a lot of time as well but how did you manage um you know because as a startup right um the time time is key because you have some fund that you need to manage, but also you need to make the company survive in the meantime while you're trying to negotiate and convert, you know, your first one, two, three clients, right? Mm -hmm.
1: Correct. So in my case, how I structured the company was, um, so I run the company myself, that's it. And I don't have any permanent employees or Mm -hmm. any employees at all. Uh, Mm -hmm. The way I have structured the company is whoever works with me works as a subcontractor mm-hmm. so it, it uh, removes the burden from me of you know having to pay them on a monthly or a weekly basis mm-hmm. so unless i actually get a client i don't have to worry about any expenses at all
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, the initial work that i did was actually done by me so my uh, background is completely technical and so I have knowledge about mobile app development, Salesforce development, and all of that. And so it was a little bit easier for me to, you know, generate all of that data, all of those documents, all of those uh, mobile app app prototypes for the clients. So um, I didn't end up spending money, but I didn't did end up spending time for that client in order to it capture. It's
0: one of the other, right?
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs>
0: Um, I mean, that that's very interesting. So, but now, so you're growing, right? In the mm-hmm. middle of, you know, this pandemic, and yeah. which is pretty interesting because a lot of people are saying, um, of course, um, the pandemic brought a lot of challenges and obstacles to some businesses who a lot of them had to shut down and but some of them especially online had the chance to benefit from a lot of online opportunities Mm -hmm. now so that means you're growing so you're scaling how do you plan on scaling do you plan on staying a company of one or and you know grow the number of contractors that you plan on working with to take the load of the different projects you're working on or do you plan on, you know, settling down and starting hiring? You know, what will be your strategy
1: actually? Um, I'm thinking of partnering up with already existing companies. So if um, so, whenever I use a subcontractor, I use them because they already have a very good structure in place. They have project managers. They have developers. They have team leads who developers report to so all of the workflow is already done and you know constructed for you
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: uh, moving forward if i have to rather than me hiring someone i would uh, rather partner up with uh, companies who already are running their businesses so let's say there is a company Based in Ukraine or maybe Japan or India, and they want to enter the Canadian market. Mm -hmm. So I would tie up with them. I would, uh, you know, rather they be represented by Pixel Labs brand, or I'm open to, you know, being represented by their brand as well. So the partnership goes both ways. I don't really have a problem with that. But um, moving forward, I would definitely partner up with. A proper company mm-hmm. so that I have access to all of their resources uh, 24 by 7 and I don't have to wait to you know get a reply from a subcontractor or
0: something like that mm-hmm. so yeah I mean, that's that's super interesting so now so partnering is a part of um, of your strategy but how do you secure you know the relationship in growing this partnership
1: um, like what kind of uh, relationship are we talking about? Like with the with partners? your future
0: partners? Because I mean, as contractor, sometimes we can think of contractors. Can, well, the relationship can be a little bit volatile,
2: mm-hmm. even
0: though you might have contracts, you might have like different things mm-hmm. legally wise. You're legally bound. Bounded.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, how do you secure that they grow with you? You know, for the project that you want to grow and develop.
1: Um, it's difficult to, yeah, it's difficult to say how they will perform and whether, you know, both of us are going to grow in the future or not. So I would say, um, in order, if, if you're skeptical about their technical expertise, then I would say, give them a few test, uh, applications or projects just to see how they perform and their abilities and all of that. If you are concerned about the legalities, I would definitely say you know get a lawyer and go through all of that.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: uh, testing analysis and doing your due, due diligence before signing anything would be the proper way of moving forward. And mm-hmm. once you have committed to that company, then you are being represented by them and they are being represented by you, then there is no different difference. Mm-hmm. So uh, even if you've made a mistake, even if you've partnered up, with a bad company still there are you know ways to improve there are ways to change uh, how things are being done at the company the most easiest way is to change yourself rather than <laughs> changing the people under you
2: mm-hmm.
1: and just try to adapt to the ways of uh, how that company functions
2: mm-hmm. and
1: um, rather than rather than you know being angry and spoiling relationship with that partner it's better to you know empathetically listen to them and design a proper strategy of how uh, together you guys will be able to move forward
0: mm-hmm. i want to dig more into the fact you were saying like you cannot really change your partner obviously but you have to change mm-hmm. ourselves when yeah. you say change ourselves like tell me more about this but because obviously as entrepreneurs we have to evolve with the relationships of the person we're working with. Could be a client, could be a partner, could be an employee, or even a contractor. Tell us more about how you actually, you had to adapt,
1: literally. Um, it's very diff- different, like, it depends on person to person. So some people are very easy to work with. Um, it's it's You don't have to even put on any effort, um you tell them that this is the project they automatically start you know working in that direction of uh, getting the project delivered Mm
2: -hmm. Uh,
1: some people you have to manage a little bit more as compared to others so you have to tell them what to do what not to do how to move forward and all of that and then there is the third type of time which you have to start micromanaging Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I don't believe in micromanaging anyone. And um, if, if possible, I would, you know, since it's an organization, so I do have the luxury of replacing that person with a different person in a different team.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: So that's why I always, you know, try to move forward with uh, already existing organizations rather than hiring people. And Mm -hmm. when you're hiring people, if you hire a bad project manager, then uh, you're stuck with that person for at least a certain duration of time, right mm-hmm. and you don't really have so much freedom to move around and in that case you can all you can do is you know you can improve yourself so you can you can deal with all sorts of people in this world, but um, you have to change how you interact with them. Mm-hmm. Um, some people you just uh, you, you can just you know give instructions and they'll follow some people you have to listen more carefully um, sometimes. Uh, People are not performing because they have some personal issues, some personal problems that they're dealing with, which they don't share. So you have to adapt to that. You have to listen more empathetically. Uh, You have to put yourself in their shoes and see what exactly is going wrong. And then uh, from their their viewpoint, you have to see how the problem can be corrected. What exactly can I change about myself or the organization which will help this person to perform better?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: so yeah i mean with every different uh person that you deal with even even nowadays um so there are certain times when uh, the client gets angry at you for you know small delays or small mistakes in the project um it's it's very simple to deal with that situation if if the client is getting agitated you just you just stand in, in their corner you take their side you say yeah i would be frustrated too if that happened to me
2: <laughs> and
1: when you say that what happens is the um, client they go into you know that analysis mode they say okay fine you know this guy is you know saying is in my corner he's agreeing with me and mm-hmm. they so the next thing that you can say is you know what can i do to you know solve this problem what can we do together to mitigate it mm-hmm. and they can recommend a few things so when you listen to your clients in that way uh, i've seen that the agitation goes away the anger goes away and they actually just start to focus on how to solve the problem and that's it (laughs) yeah that's
0: that's that's pretty true and relevant mm -hmm. i mean you have to mitigate things with but um you also have to be transparent in saying that yes there's there are responsibilities on both sides, mm-hmm. and then we can find you know common grounds. Common grounds, sorry, in mm-hmm. order to you know make sure that we can move past that obstacle mm-hmm. and you know be able to deliver uh, the project or the product mm-hmm. or the apps on time. Right. I truly really believe um, <laughs> in that. Uh, but now, so we are in twenty twenty one. We're already in February, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. Time flies. What's in your cards, I mean, what's the plan and what's the roadmap for 2021 for pixeled apps?
1: Um, So the roadmap for um, pixel apps for 2021 would be to move more towards products. So that has been the plan since the beginning.
2: Mm -hmm. At the moment
1: we offer services, so services are good, uh, but there is a constant dependency on people. So you need people to deliver different kinds of product uh, projects, mm-hmm. and uh, for healthcare, you need people who have expertise in healthcare. For e-commerce, different set skill set, and live streaming, it's a whole different skill set altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are trying to move away from this model of providing services. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are trying to move more towards software as a service products. Mm-hmm. Okay. So. We haven't decided what it's going to be yet, but uh, I'm still thinking about. Uh, I'm just still analyzing the market. What exactly you know could we generate, create, or provide, which will be just you know on a subscription basis to the client, and all our focus would be to improve and develop that one or two products that we are offering to the clients. So services, it's it's a good uh, way to get into the market. It's a good way to start your business. Mm-hmm. Um, there is less requirements there is less headache mm-hmm. um, But definitely i would recommend people who are getting into new businesses to start moving forward with their own product mm-hmm. um, doing so will you know make the company very stable if you are able to secure funding that's that's really good but even if you are funding the company yourself uh that's that's not, not a bad start at all so you if, if you are able to secure your first hundred clients i think you have a good you know um Set of people to grow, for, move forward with.
0: Mm-hmm. So you're talking about funding, right? So, uh, do you plan on keep on bootstrapping, or do you actually plan on, you know, getting some fund from BC's private funds and um, other, um, you know, area, other places where you can get some some fund in order to finance
1: your pivot? Definitely. So I'm open to you know getting funding from. Uh, anybody but uh, the problem is nobody really wants to fund a services-based company so Mm -hmm. unless we actually come up with a a product of our own um, until that time I don't think uh, I will be moving in in the direction of getting a funding from uh, from a VC or from uh, an angel investor Mm -hmm. but yeah definitely I have that thought in mind Mm -hmm. I would you know uh, think about moving in that direction one day mm-hmm. but unless we have that one MVP to display to the um, to the investors until then I think uh, I will hold my cards
0: mm-hmm. amazing mm-hmm. I mean gearings towards the end of that interview you do you have anything to add for anyone that actually in the same space or planning on being in the same space as you are with mm-hmm. Excel apps?
1: Um, sorry, do I have any message for them? Is that what you're
0: Yeah, if there are something that you love to share with people and entrepreneurs out there, um, mm-hmm. that are thinking about moving, you know, in the app world or, um, even in the product world as mm-hmm. well, if you have any piece of advice or recommendations or, mm-hmm. uh, warnings,
1: <laughs> yeah. the do's and the don'ts. <laughs> Definitely. So I think uh, a lot of people talk about uh, in terms of business, like what to do, what not to do. Um, definitely those things are there. And if, if somebody is planning to start a business, I would definitely recommend them to you know give it a go. Uh, but there is a very uh, less talked about aspect of this, which is mental health. So mm-hmm. if uh, you are starting your own business or any any company on your own um you will definitely be you know faced with multiple multiple challenges multiple failures and i i know people who fall a victim to depression sadness and all of that so i think anybody who is you know getting into the business starting their own business um it's it's it would be you know it would be nice if they can pay attention to their mental health as well if they have somebody to talk to or uh, if they have like a program that they like for me i i meditate i try to stay calm and positive all of the time but still it's you know it becomes difficult for me as well to deal with so many different problems at the same (laughs) time And uh, cash flow, cash flow is definitely something, uh, cash flow is a big factor of uh, causing sadness and depression in people. So mm-hmm. if you see yourself going into negative, I would uh, recommend that, you know, prepare yourself to have uh, a point where where you say, okay, I, I can go into maybe 5,000 negative or maybe 10,000 And after that, I'm going to stop. That's the maximum amount of loss that I can, uh, you know, take without actually breaking. Mm-hmm. So I I would say, you know, pay a lot of attention towards mental health. <laughs>
0: yeah, I think yeah. you're definitely right. I mean, mental health is everything. Um, yeah. Definitely there's some challenges that we are facing and no yeah. over category, professional categories are facing, but mm-hmm. it, this is important to, like you said, to remain yeah. positive and things you know comes and goes as well and then what's not okay today might be probably very okay tomorrow so we'll
1: have to keep that in mind yeah absolutely absolutely
0: so Roy that was a pleasure to have you on the show and I'll see you next time
1: thank you V. thank you for you know taking out the time to do this talk show with me today thank you so much bye thank you thank you
0: is the end of the show share the show with your community make sure to listen to the next episode on spotify itunes stitchers and anchor and more follow us on instagram at ecg.podcast and me follow me on twitter linkedin and instagram see you next time